Chris Gowser here with Matt Howell. And this week on the first run, we check it out. We check out the latest Quirk <laughs> Fest from Wes Anderson with Asteroid City. Will it be the delightful deadpan delivery of the Royal Tenenbaums or the lifeless deadpan delivery of the Darjeeling Limited? As always, we give you the big releases on physical media, our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week. Then, much to Chris's delight, we get back to our original games with another round of What Are the Odds? So let's tap into our collective ennui with a bit from Asteroid City. I hope you're aware you and your accomplices may still face felony prosecution, possibly even a treason charge. I'll fight it all the way to the Supreme Court if necessary, and win. This just in from the president. He's furious. Thanks a lot, Ricky. I don't know what to say, General Gibson. I'm don't sorry. Don't apologize, Dad. The public has a right to the truth. You made your point. This tribunal is a mockery! What about Steenbeck, who took the photograph? It's on the front page of every newspaper on the planet. Can't we arrest him as well? Unfortunately, no. He dropped a print in the mail to his photo agency first thing Tuesday morning, and the postman got it before we did. He's innocent. Supposedly, he did a nude of Mitch Campbell, too. Mitch yeah. Campbell. Mitch Campbell. Mitch Campbell. Matt, let me tell you. That is if... I laugh so hard with the president. He's pissed. I, <laughs> I snorted. <laughs> kind of just Jeffrey Wright's delivery of that. Uh, probably my favorite gag in the whole film. So, Asteroid City, Wes Anderson returns after, um, I don't know what, middling, I think, the French Dispatch. I think we mm -hmm. thought was okay. Mm -hmm. Though we really enjoyed Jeffrey Wright, I think, in that film. We thought it was really fantastic in that thing. Uh, but still... I think it's been, I've been mostly a little bit is underwhelmed by that a lot. I love Budapest, right? But then Isle of Dogs is fine. Yeah. Dispatch is okay. And now we're back with Asteroid City, Matt. So what happens basically there is a, well, boy. I'm like, how do you really describe it without getting too into it? I don't also want to spoil anything about it. I guess we'll do it with the trailer it kind of talks about, right? And if you want to expand into the real conceit of the film, you're more, we're more than welcome to. But basically, there is this small city built up in the desert uh, about around where basically an asteroid had hit years ago. And it's kind of a sort of tourist attraction town that never really took off. And they're holding a convention award ceremony for young scientists and while they're having this ceremony, they bring in all these kids from all over the country. And an alien shows up. And then all of a sudden, interest in the uh, asteroid city blows up again. And everybody wants to go check it out. But there's something much more... <sighs> Is deep the right word to use in a Wes Anderson film? But there's something much more going on, I think, in the film and how he frames it and, and the true story mm -hmm. of what it is. But, uh, Matt, in regards to Asteroid City, I guess my question for you is, when does eccentricity, or twee, turn into kitsch? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. So, first, I think the word that I would use um, would be meta, as opposed to deep, because it is a kind of a, okay. what is it, a rushing nesting doll of, of stories? Ne Russian nesting doll, yes, yeah, yes, it stories. is. Yeah, I think we're getting dangerously close to kitsch, but at the same time, I don't know... Like, I don't think Wes Anderson could ever pull off the kind of oversized performances of camp. I don't think he could ever really make a campy movie. Um, but I think we're pretty getting close to that kind of throwback to 50s, 60s sci-fi and the trappings of that. And, you know, the political time climate is of the era and just kind of mm -hmm. what everybody 
science is new and exciting. You got to worry about the the Russians. It's post war, and we're in a boom period as as the U.S. I I think for the most part, it's a bit of a return to form because with you, like I didn't really mm-hmm. love the French Dispatch. I really didn't love Isle of Dogs that much, and I don't think it gets to the heights of his the films of his that I really love, but I, I think it's much closer to what we expect from Wes Anderson. Yeah, I think I agree with that. And also this film has a lot going for it that I love. Kind of that retro futurism, right? Um, 1950s, the whole aesthetic of the film, which we'll talk about a little bit later because I am fucking furious right now about <laughs> something. But also too, that it's, I'm just going to talk about it, all right? So it's more about, there is, the film is basically a play and so we we cut back and back and forth between the creation of the play the casting the writing of it right how it all came to be and then that's all in black and white and the color stuff is them actually putting the play on right and the set kind of has those kind of aesthetics at times as well but also looks pretty authentic to be like a city in the desert and i think he balances all of that really well uh i think maybe I don't know if there are some pacing issues. If there are, they're very slight. Mm-hmm. But I found it very engaging and an enriching experience. I think it's a deeper, more delicate film than he's done in a long time. I think that it has his unique style and it, it's beautiful. But I think that there is a level of kind of complexity in this film about kind of life and relationships and loss and family that I think he hasn't really tackled this well, I think, since Tannenbaums. And even then, I think, as I said, this is a much more delicate interpretation than I think. I just think it's a deeper, more fully emotionally centered film than, than he's probably made previously. And it'd be a mistake to kind of dismiss this, I think, as just another... Uh, what Wes Anderson on we kind of eccentric twee little film. I really think it would be. Yeah. So I, I will admit that I wasn't, it took me a little while to warm up to this film. I think mm-hmm. initially I wasn't kind of immediately grabbed with it, but I think the charms of it slowly won me over. And by the end of it, I was really enjoying myself. And I think a lot of that has to do with the performances. I mean, obviously this is, you know, one recognizable A-lister after another in various different roles. And I think for the most part, everyone's pretty game. And I think, you know, this is kind of his stable of usual players. I think almost everybody has appeared in some other Wes Anderson production, um, except for maybe the youngest actors. And I think it is a film that may not immediately reach out and, and grab you and connect with you, but it's one of those films that it sits with you. And I think it's, will get better and better on repeat viewings and kind of revisiting it in your mind. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's, yeah, I don't know. I, I think one of the struggles I have is that I don't think it's going to win anybody over. Mm. If you have not seen, or if you don't appreciate Wes Anderson's style, and I think this is disappointing because, like I said, I think this is a much deeper experience than he's given us previously. And, It'd be a shame if you were turned off by his aesthetic. If you kind of hate the kind of rapid pace but deadpan flat dialogue kind mm-hmm. of a thing, right? And he's like, oh, another Wes Anderson movie. Then I think you're really kind of robbing yourself of it. They give a really 
interesting, fun, and beautiful experience from this film. I it's probably lower top tier for me, mm-hmm. but or maybe mid upper mid tier. I'm not quite sure. It's clearly my favorite film since he's done since Budapest, right? And I'm trying to think if it would be like a top five. Anderson, I don't know why we have to rank everything all the time, but I guess that's just what we do. But uh, yeah, and I still don't know if it has. It just doesn't seem that I don't think it has the mass appeal of like a Tannenbaum's did. Yeah, right. So, but still. There's man, there's just it's there's just so much going on with the interpersonal relationships with Edward, you know, with uh, Edward Norton's character as the writer. You have uh, Schwartzman, who's I think the first I think he hasn't led an Anderson film since what since Rushmore. Is that accurate? No, he was on Darjeeling Limited. Oh, that's right. Well, there were kind of three leads in that, right? Yeah, sure. And again, that's like you, I think, my least favorite out of mm. anything he's done. But I think everybody, you said it's a full stable too. Like everybody basically who's been in a Wes Anderson film makes an appearance here. <laughs> it's like when I used to have these, what I call them all-star dreams when mm. everybody I know would show up in my dreams. But they always seem to be focused on like fighting off an alien invasion. Either way, good stuff. I really enjoyed Asteroid City, Matt. I'm giving it a B plus. I had a lot. I just, I really want to revisit it again. Actually, it's very important to me that I revisit it again as well at home here. Mm. And I'll talk about why in a minute. But what about you? Any final thoughts on the Asteroid City? Yeah, I guess the only thing I would mention is, weirdly for my own personal taste, I I kept thinking, and this is just me watching too much Barry, I just kept thinking of Gene Cousinow and his acting troupe um, as they were going through this. But I digress. Yeah, I gave it a B plus as well. I think it's, I think it's a, re- a good return to form. It's not... Wes Anderson at his best, but maybe we're seeing uh, maybe a, a later career surge in creativity um, that has kind of been missing from some of his some of his past outings. You know, for the for the website, I would be kind of curious. I think we should take some of our favorite directors and rank our and rank their films and just put it on the website because I don't think we should do a segment or something. But I would be curious mm-hmm. to see where we would shake out on some of these directors. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad idea. That might be fun. Write that down, man. I'm gonna, I'll do that. We'll do that. All right. So, a couple minutes. I just want to spend on something here that I don't. I have. All right. Let me ask you this: the trailer, Matt. You mm. saw the trailers for Asteroid mm. City, and how kind of again they had that retro futurism, that '50s look. All the colors seemed kind of blight or, or bright but this kind of, or these lens they had this lens filter on it everything looked kind of very rich but mm. also right what was that what it was like in the theater it's hard to say uh this was not in like a dolby or anything like that so i couldn't really tell it was just on a tiny little screen and uh and literally in a theater i don't think i've ever been in it was all the way back at the end of the hall it, it only held like 40 people it was by the elevators really weird experience but it was it was tiny um so i, I can't it's hard to say i'm so spoiled on dolby you dumb motherfuckers all right it makes me wonder then that maybe i'm being too hard on myself on amc mm-hmm. my viewing of this was horrible and maybe that's an interesting perspective maybe the dolby has has kind of colored my pardon the pun viewing of this but i felt like i was watching this they clearly that like this is a bulb that needs to be replaced in this projector mm-hmm. the picture was so lifeless and so dim i was furious watching this thing because i know what i saw on the trailers on my computer on my tv 
the film was full of life and bright with these kind of, I don't know, pastel is not the right word, but just just vibrant colors. Mm-hmm. And I watched this dull, muddy picture, mm-hmm. and I was so upset. Now, I, I, now I, all I could think of was I want to go home and watch this on my nice OLED Dolby Vision TV with my 4K player thing and just see this thing, I think, the way it's supposed to be intended. And I am just, I appreciate the bulbs are expensive. All right, I get it. And the AMC veterans where I'm at here, they just revamped their entire uh, IMAX. They have a new IMAX with a laser projector now. But from what I understand, the Dolby is still better. Dolby has two 4K laser projectors doing the image, and the IMAX only has the one. So I think Dolby stole the way to go, though I may consider checking it out just to see what it's like. But still, I was so upset. Yeah. Like, because I'm looking forward to this. The, the visuals, because that's also half of what he does, is that visual aesthetic. And to see this clouded, muddy, kind of dark image, it, it just, it really took me out of it for a bit. I, I was fine. I just kind of let myself go and engage with the film and what, you know, with, with the rest of it. But I was, Matt, I was furious walking out of that theater. Yeah, I can't say that it seemed like particularly dim. I mean, it definitely was noticeably less sharp than what I'm used to seeing in the Dolby. Cause I almost go exclusively to the Dolby if I can. Mm-hmm. And, but I will say things like even when he would have panning shots and stuff like that, you would get like that little artifact stutter, you know, from something that's not keeping up with it as well. Really? Yeah. I don't know if it's just me, but I, I, I almost get like a juddery thing. If it's not a high fidelity kind of, um, pan, I don't know what it is. It's almost like a motion blur that I don't think is intended. So I don't know if that's just a limitation of the technology that they're still using or if it's just bad. They're not maintaining it because they don't need to anymore. I'm not sure. Uh, I really don't know. Yeah, I think part of the problem, too, is people don't care, right? right? The, uh, we're, we're, just, we're a small, relatively vocal minority. And people, the majority of the people go to theaters and pay everything are going... Well, that's big, part of the big problem with theaters as well. They're going for the big budget films. Well, of course, it's The Flash. <laughs> but still, it's... Uh, yeah. Well, so I guess the the real question will be, when we go see Oppenheimer later this summer, are you going to see it in Dolby or are you going to see it in in his beloved IMAX since he was he filmed portions of it in the IMAX cameras? I think what I'm going to do is my AMC has a 70 millimeter projector. Okay. So I think I'm going to go that route. I think that's his preferred version mm-hmm. is a 70 mil. I, I don't know. I made that, and maybe I'll double down with the uh, Dolby to see what the kind of different versions of it are like. Is it long? I'm assuming it's like three hours. Do I'm we just, know? I don't know. The, I haven't uh, checked. Yeah, that's up to see how long the uh, film is, because that will obviously pay a. Uh, let me see. It's it's got to be long, right? Well, Dunkirk was real short, so you never know. It could be. Uh, let me see. We have anything on the? It could be a tight ninety minutes. He reigns in yeah. his worst excesses. <laughs> All right. Oh, there we go. Three hours. Oh, Perfect. Great. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's on IMDb's got clocking in at three. So, yeah. And I'll say, too, Asteroid City, uh, Google reviews, 433, 2.0. Wow. So the audience on Google, uh, not a fan. Not a fan. It makes you wonder how much, how many more times, how much more work Wes Anderson's going to get. Like, I mean, how is he going to still get these kind of wide releases for an auteur kind of thing going if they don't make any money and are, and, and are also not greatly received by audiences. That's interesting. So let's take a look at this. So, all right. So let's start here. Asteroid City right now 
Matt, is at cost twenty five to make sixteen point seven global as okay. of now, That's... which is just a week. Yeah. So that should be fine. Yeah. Uh, French Dispatch. All right. Budget twenty five forty six point three. Okay. All right, so that's that's fine. Isle of Dogs, uh, 64.2 million box office. I do not see a budget on here. So thanks a lot there, Wikipedia. Next, we have Grand Budapest, 25 to make, 173. Yeah. Box office. Right. So, okay, I think we're, I think we're fine. You know, I, so yeah, even like Moonrise, 16 million, 68. So, yeah, I don't think we have any box office concerns that. And plus, he gives the studios some, you know, some artistic cred as right. well. Right. And he does get nominations for stuff, too. Mm-hmm. So, all right, that there you go. Man, Asteroid City. What the fuck, AMC? Asteroid City is uh, playing everywhere. Check it out. Just your thoughts. Let us know. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, coming up on Physical Media this upcoming Tuesday, July 4th. Happy fourth, everybody. It is it's not it's not a long list. This is gonna be quick. Well, speak of the devil. Martin, this is kind of an official meeting. Good, good. I'm glad you're all here. I've got something to show you. Look at this. Fogarty just developed it. He came out of that camera from the missing divers. Seaweed? I don't know. What is it? It's underwater, isn't it? That's why it's so dark. Nothing I can see. What are you talking about? Look at this. That's a shark. Look at the outline. Look at the mouth, the eyes. Is that what it is? Sorry, I just don't see it. Neither do I. It's nothing. Martin, it could be anything. Wait a minute. Are you people telling me I don't know what a shark looks like? You would think Chief Brody would know what a shark looks like. That, of course, is a scene from Jaws 2, which I don't really have any redeeming things. Of maybe Schneider's, perform- Schneider's performance in that mm-hmm. makes it watchable. But outside of that, I don't really have much to say about Jaws 2. I will say, though, it, this is how short the list is, Matt. This is my... Looks like we're shy one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. Yeah. It's it's the number two pick of the okay. week. It's it's, it's wow. a short week. So, wow. uh, in fact, this may even be like a straight to DVD pick of the week at some point. But my number five is "Come Out Fighting," featuring Kellen Lutz, Tyrese Gibson, Michael J. White, and Dolph Lundgren. Late in '44, during World War II, the American Army Mad has raced their way through the countryside on the border of France, entering Nazi Germany. Hitler, you may have heard of him, this desperate to turn the tide, has deployed his secret weapon, an M262 fighter jet. Lieutenant Frank Ross, a P-51 Mustang fighter pilot, encounters the Nazi weapon in an intense aerial battle, quickly ensues, and more. After that, Four. fighting back from 1982, a Philadelphia, Philadelphia, is that how you say that? Philadelphia, that's how you pronounce it, right? Philadelphia shop owner has enough of criminal violence and ravages in his area. He organizes a patrol of civil people. It all starts to go wrong, Matt, because his team's actions are taken as racial discrimination. Man, enough with the woke from 1982. Includes a uh, new interview with the director, Louis Teague. Uh, some other stuff. Next. Get three coffins ready. Uh-huh. Huh? It's the Truman Show, Matt. Getting released in 4K. The brand new 4K restoration. The Dolby Atmos audio track. A two-part documentary on the making of the film. Some deleted scenes and more. I 
this is back when my I could not stand Jim Carrey, so I've never seen the Truman Show. Should I uh, rectify that? Yeah, actually, it's it's one of his best or better films. It's actually pretty good, and it, and it's you know it's kind of in the consciousness for a reason. It's it's a good film. All right. After that, we talked about number two, Jaws two, being released in four K. There is a steel book. So I think what's fun is the traditional 4K has the original poster of the uh, woman on the uh, water skis as Jaws is coming up behind her or Jaws' mm. his brother, his cousin, his kid. I Mom? can't remember. I don't remember either. So, uh, yeah. So then we have Jaws coming up. And then the steel book is the reverse angle. So we have the back of her and we're looking out through Jaws's mouth. Jaws. Ah, gotcha. Which I think is kind of fun. Previously restored in 4K, HDR presentation of the film, some deleted scenes, making of, and more. And then, of course, there can be only one. Uh, Lee Winnell's Upgrade, which mm. is, I think, a fun little sci-fi action film is being released in 4K. And it's a brand new 4K master. And uh, if you haven't seen it, it's good. It's, what, it's in the near future, and it's, this guy gets this, what, chip implanted, computer chip in him called STEM, and it gives him, like, super fighting abilities and stuff. And it's, it's pretty darn good. Your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, Matt, I'm going to go with Johnny and Clyde. Johnny and Clyde are two serial killers who are madly in love and on an endless crime spree. They have their sights set on robbing a prosperous casino owner named Boss Alana, played by Megan Fox. And guarded by, uh, this is my favorite part, so the crime boss who runs this casino and know what her enforcer is? A demonic slayer that she commands. So the, oh. it's it's actually like a demon. Pretty cool. So there you go. Johnny and Clyde. Matt, which would we be streaming this week? So available for streaming now is one of the better and films and horror films that we've seen this year the evil dead rise is available mm. on max for your streaming pleasure i quite enjoyed it as the lesser evil dead fan chris liked it but he wasn't as high on it as i was but it, i think that's a ringing endorsement uh, from the both of us oh yeah absolutely it's it's my least favorite of the franchise but it's still good it's mm-hmm. still worth checking out for sure and i would add too if you're gonna buy it on 4K, do not buy the U.S. version because, oh, again, Jesus. the U.K. version has commentary by the director as well as a short film by him. I don't know why, but that's what they did. So I'll be picking up that import on that. Because remember, 4K discs, for the most part, are all region-free. For the most part. And you know what else is really annoying me is that um, uh, I think – who is it? I'm not sure who it is who, uh, that recently announced it. But at the end of May, they announced that uh, Kill Bill is getting the 4K treatment, which is, I think, my favorite of the Tarantino films. But, of mm. course, did they say anything about it being the whole bloody affair? No, they did not, which I think is bullshit. Jeez. Wow. That's still, I can't believe they're still not going to put that out. It was it was released in Japan, I believe. Yeah, it was released it. overseas. Yeah, it just has not been released here as far as I'm aware. I thought he was going to do that at some point. Well, we'll have to see. And hey, you know what? If you want a digital copy of it, hit us up. I, I may know a guy. <laughs> All right, Matt, let's close out the show and play a round of, or a few rounds, I guess I should say, of What Are the Odds? been no one for so long. Who are you? I'm Ray. Ray who?
Ray Skywalker. If I remember correctly, Matt, you told me you wept at that line while you were watching the Rise of Skywalker. I did. I immediately put it into the canon of the greatest lines and greatest films of all time. It really kind of, it's my number one. I think, I don't see how Mm -hmm. anything is going to throw it for the rest of my life. Ah, I think that's right. So I had totally forgotten, supposedly, that they're making a new Star Wars film with Daisy Ridley as Rey. Mm. I believe this is true. I read it online. It has to be true. Mm -hmm. So... There's no official title, but I guess tentatively it's known as Star Wars The New Jedi Order. Okay. So let me give you a, a little rough background, Matt. So roughly 15 years after Rey's victory over Palpatine. Did you know that they were related? Rey and Palpatine were related? I, I did, because I poured over every detail of that film. So yeah, there you go. So it's 15 years after Rise of Skywalker. The sequel delves into Rey's courageous endeavor to restore the Jedi Order, where she assumes the role of a mentor to two promising young students, one bro and one gal. And as her training progresses, it becomes evident that the girl possesses extraordinary abilities destined to emerge as a future, or if not the future leader. So I'm assuming the, the boy goes bad, maybe mm. goes to the dark side, mm-hmm. and we just restart the whole thing all over again. Right. Matt, what are the odds that Star Wars The New Jedi Order writes the ship after the Rise of Skywalker and starts off a new Star Wars trilogy that gets you excited again? 20%. 20%. I... I guess, I mean, we've got, what, a set of, I'm sorry, did you say they were siblings? They were twins? Is that what this is? No, just two young students, a girl and a boy. You know, they no should just have, confirmed. they should have just it be, I mean, one, well, the online community is going to hate it. I mean, obviously having a woman hero or protagonist is just not going to fly, um, as we've heard throughout, <laughs> uh, throughout Daisy Ridley's tenure. Uh, but you know what? I would be, you know, just jettison the dude all together and just make it two women. I think a, a woman villain would be interesting to have because we haven't really had that in Star Wars at this point. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I don't even know if the Ryan Johnson ones are still happening. I don't know if the, uh, God, I hope not, uh, the, the D&D Game of Thrones writers show is happening or movies are happening, whatever the hell they were doing. I, I'm honestly for a set of, films and a franchise and a kind of universe that i loved growing up i have become incredibly disappointed i've become very jaded with star wars i think the prequels are terrible the sequels are not not good the shows are very hit or miss i don't know i think i'm i'm think i'm i'm all set for the the time being i'll stick to the original series and and video games and i'll i'll keep checking out the the shows because you know, for every book of Boba Fett, I get a, a Mando or a, an Andor. Fair enough. What about the, what's the new one? Ashoka? Ashoka? Yeah, see, I never watched any of those cartoons. I know who she is, and I like Rosario Dawson a lot, so I'm going to watch it, but I'm not, like, super excited about it. Fair enough. Yeah, um, I have no, I, I don't know. I'm with you. I'll say, I'll go a little higher. I'll say 25%. Maybe if they, I just... We can't just keep recycling the same story and just yeah. telling it with its little tweaks here and there. Right. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. But like you, I've been mostly underwhelmed. I remember how excited I was for that Kenobi show. And dear Lord, that was not terribly good. Mm-mm. The Boba Fett show, not good. Mm-mm. I haven't watched the latest season of Mandalorian yet. Mm. So, yeah. 
it was okay. I think the thing, I, the one, the show that I've liked the most recently is Andor. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's, it's. I did uh, see that. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting look at like a part of the Star Wars universe you don't see. I mean, hell, it opens up in a space brothel. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, that was yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. All right, what do you got? All right, so you ready for one of my patented lightning rounds? Oh boy. Okay. Oh, here we go. All right, so the Flash has limped to the end. Now, obviously we still have the blue beetle, which I, every time I see the trailer, I get less and less excited about. Uh, I haven't seen any of Aquaman two, but uh, yeah. that'll be the final nail in the coffin of the DCEU. Good riddance, I think from, and let's just start anew. So my question to you is this, I'm going to give you an actor. These are the main justice league actors. And you tell me what are the odds that they're, that they're, uh, have higher heights to achieve as far as their acting careers go. All right, so you ready? Like independent of yeah. uh, yeah. Just, like, yes, yes, because they're leaving the DCEU behind and they're moving forward with their lives. Uh, okay. So Henry Cable. That's interesting because I don't know if I think of him, of him in anything really dramatic. That was wow. I'll go. I'm gonna, uh, you know what? Sorry, Hank. I'm going forty percent on Hank. Mm, okay, fair enough. All right, uh, Gal Gadot. Oh, good lord! Now, like fifteen <laughs> percent. I don't. No, she keeps doing like Fast and Furious films mm. and whatever the case may be. I don't know if she. I have yet to see her really port- give me anything mm. that's like, wow, that is a ma- ma- major talent. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Jason Momoa. I could see... I'll go 60% that Momoa could pull something off a little more sensitive, a little dramatic. Mm-hmm. He could do some kind of, who knows, you know, working at a concentration camp type thing. <laughs> That's usually the quickest <laughs> way, right? Disability or Nazis? Sure, 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 sure. Very good. Uh, Ezra Miller. He's done really good stuff mm-hmm. he has. in the past. But I don't know if he's his own worst enemy. In fact, one of my odds for you is going to be, and we can pocket it, is Ezra Miller, the Flash, in the DCU. Mm. But um, I think he he does maybe get some help, does an apology tour, moves on, and then in 10 years he shows up and does an independent film. So I'll go 65% on Miller, I think All so. Right. And then finally, Ray Fisher. I feel like out of all that stuff, he was the one that was the most screwed over by everything. And he has spoken out. I think he may have harmed his own cause. Rightfully so. Not like, you know, he didn't do that. It's not like he didn't do the right thing. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it works. I think that he may have basically almost blacklisted himself in some capacity, at least with Warner Brothers. But who knows? Warner Brothers itself is going to implode with Zaslav running everything. So, mm-hmm. um, I'll go fifty-fifty. I, 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 Fisher. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a coward on. If you want, if I need to, I'll go fifty-five percent. Okay, I'll give the kid the benefit of the doubt. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Okay. So you're confident Affleck's going to keep doing good stuff? I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, we haven't seen Air yet, but apparently it was... It, we're going to see it. I don't think it'll win anything necessarily. I've seen it. I uh, have seen oh, it. Oh, you have seen it? And was it, yeah. how was it? It's fine. Okay. It's good. Yeah. It's perfectly... 
it's perfectly fine. It's it's engaging. I think I struggle with the problem with Air is that it spins Nike as this great big corporation, you know, right. doing the right thing by people, right. which right. okay, mm-hmm. right. But uh, it's a, it's an engaging two hours. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a crowd pleaser. Yeah, I mean Affleck. I think Affleck is his own thing. I mean, I I think he weathered the storm. I think people forgive him and wish he had a better chance or had more opportunities to do this kind of stuff. I think he's, I think he's going to be okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, 40% is probably about right. C- cable seems to be doing for cable. Cable seems to be doing much more of the passion projects. Like he did mm-hmm. Witcher. It didn't end up the way he wanted it to. So he left and now he's doing his warm hammer series, which is a wild universe if he can get it right and it is a big hit good for him i guess if as long i can see him keep just doing the stuff that he likes to do kind of thing um i think godot is done i don't think she's really shown us anything i guess 10 percent that she does anything good uh fisher i think he's blackballed i think we get uh i think he's done too i think i'm gonna give him another 10 percent him and godot as the lowest works jason momoa is interesting i don't know if he'll ever lead anything but i feel like him slipping into almost like a character actor role like he'll show up mm. and he'll be fun so i think we've still got i think there's a 60 percent chance that he's still got a pretty good career and he's mm-hmm. in some big things uh miller yeah i'm with you i think there's i think he's good i think i'm gonna give it a 55 percent chance that he like you said he comes back does a a indie film he gets some buzz and that's kind of the the lane he lives in going forward but i think his yeah. blockbuster career is over yeah perks to the wall plus i don't know if he's even a draw we talked about it with the flash mm-hmm. i don't know if he's that kind of guy but like perks with a perks of a wallflower and the first thing i saw him in which was uh what we need we need to talk about kevin we have yeah. to talk about kevin yeah he is fantastic and terrifying but mm-hmm. also yeah that so that guy is a major talent it's just that he's got some problems so I don't know if it, if it, what do you shift from mental illness to just kind of evil? I don't know, <laughs> but there's something up with that cat. Mm-hmm. So eh, we'll have to see. So Machete said that if they make any Flash sequel, that Miller's is his guy. Okay. And Gunn hasn't said anything except about how great the Flash film is. Mm-hmm. But I also think that it's 70% drop in the second week is going to impact some financial decisions on keeping Miller around. Never mind, which it probably should be one of the number one concerns is all the stuff going on in his personal life. Mm-hmm. So, but given what you just said too, you think what are the odds that Ezra Miller continues as the flash in the DCU? Are you like in the single digits? If at all? Uh, yeah, I say 20%. I think it's very, very unlikely. I think, with Machete doing the Brave and the Bold, we'll see how that actually turns out. I think a lot of people are nervous about how that's going to be handled. And we'll even see if Machete's even around uh, after that 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 uh, gets released. So I can see everybody quietly moving away from them unless he Miller is able to keep his head down, keep a low profile, put out some good work. Then maybe he wins back some public support. Then maybe. Mm, yeah, I think... Eh. Yeah, you never know. I would say about thirty percent chance that he's going to be back as the Flash too. It's it's you never know. I mean, the fact I would have said zero, but the way that the studio seemed to be all in on him, there was like Machete said there was no discussion of replacing him or not putting out the film at any time mm-hmm. with all that stuff going down. 
and they're all very high on it. But we'll see. You know what? Money talks. Yeah. And the current head of Warner Brothers, that seems to be all he cares about. Right. So I think that puts a lot of that stuff up in the air. I mean, also for me, I don't know if I like his his Barry Allen. He's very awkward, and mm-hmm. he's not, like, fun and charming. Like, I feel like he should be much more maybe peppy. I don't know. There's, there's, I think we could get a better Barry Allen, a little more gee whizzy. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. What do you got? For, plus, I'd rather have Wally West anyway, but go ahead. All right. You got um, a belt of that, I guess. Yes, you do. So, okay. So, Disney Animation, and even Pixar, has not... Not been doing great. Has not been doing knockout numbers. Um, even this, even this latest uh, Pixar film, which uh, Pixar, a studio that we usually go out and check the films when we were talking about what we we're going to check out for this week or the last week. Chris's response to Elemental was, "Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah." So like, he has no juice to go see it. So my question yeah. is this. What are the odds we're entering another Disney animation dip? So if you'll remember. In the late 70s, throughout the 80s, mm. Disney Animation was did not make any money. The quality was was pretty poor. And then things kind of kicked off a new renaissance when The Little Mermaid came out. So what do you think that we've kind of entered into another one of those periods for Disney? Well, that's interesting. So we're looking at, so I, listen, I confess, I haven't seen Turning Red. Mm-hmm. Me neither. Uh, it was, that was a straight... What that was a Disney Plus, right? And then you go to yeah. the theaters. Mm-hmm. Lightyear was not terribly good. We haven't seen Elemental. You loved Soul. I, I think did. Soul is very good, but it didn't really find an audience. I wonder why. Um, Toy Story Four. I guess they are making a new Toy Story film, so I think yeah. that's a big sign right there that they 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 have concerns. I yeah, I don't know. That's listen. Is it, Elio actually looks pretty good. I, mm-hmm. think, I thought I saw a trailer for Elio. I saw something for it. Okay. And they're making an Inside Out 2. Um, that's interesting. I, I I wonder if it's... Is it the, the quality or is the audience kind of just moving on mm-hmm. from animated films for a while and then something will spark... Like Toy Story did, or like or Little Mermaid, like you said, and then it kind or of, Frozen. You know, I think that was a big zeitgeist yeah. connection moment. But what are the odds that we're in a dip for Disney? Uh, I would say sixty percent, sixty-five percent that we are. That okay. there does seem to be. I don't know if it's an issue where Pixar seems to be focused on telling the same story different mm-hmm. way. Yeah, right. Every time now. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think it needs like a another technological advance, or do we just need to really kind of get weird with? But I guess what is it? Forbidden Planets. That one didn't do well at all, and that was different and yeah. weird. Yeah, and there's another one. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even remember much about it that didn't do very well either. Like Strange Worlds, or maybe that's what you're talking about. That's the one I'm thinking. Yeah, of, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what they need to do. I think ultimately, what seems to work is they take a classic story, they zhuzh it up, you know, a fairy tale, modernize it, put some good tunes on it, some catchy music, and then that seems to be the recipe for success. And I think what you're seeing, I think a lot of it, as long as they stick with this kind of more original content or these original stories, they don't seem to be doing as well. 
Huh. So you think that's it? Do we have to f- refarm the Grimm's fairy tales type things? For, well, I mean, uh, Frozen, which was a, you know, is a, the, the Ice Queen is a famous Scandinavian fairy tale kind of thing. So that's, uh, I think that's same thing with like Little Mermaid and stuff like that. Those all have to be, those are all ex- existing stories that they just kind of took the skeleton and, and put like a modern spin on it. Mm. Do you think the live action remakes harm the animated division at all? Well, that was actually a follow-up question because I think we might be done with those because of how underwhelming the little mermaid performed. And honestly, they've done now all of their kind of classic nineties output in beauty and the beast, Aladdin, the jungle book, lion King, this or or little mermaid. I I can't imagine what else are they going to put out in live action? The rescuers? I have no yeah. idea. <laughs> you can't really do Finding Nemo, right? Yeah. So, yeah, Inside Out wouldn't work. That's more. Yeah, I don't know. Did Maleficent? They did. Uh... I guess you could do a true Sleeping Beauty, but I you guess. already did Maleficent. So... Yeah, why do it? Yeah, Cinderella. Yeah. They've already done. I guess. They, yeah. They did. Did they do a Snow White? I don't know if they have. There's been other interpretations, obviously, sure. of live action. But, no, I don't think so. No. I have the list in front of me, too, and I'm not seeing anything. Well, that's highest grossing. List of Walt Disney Picture Films. There we go. Let's shoot into this. Because it would be like the last 20 years, right? That's when right. this really kicked in the gear. And we had Pooh, Blood, and Honey. That was different. <laughs> we already had the live action. <laughs> Well, they did that one with Christopher Robin that I actually enjoyed. Mrs. First Run loves that film. Christopher really? Robin. Oh, yeah. she loved it. So. Alice in Wonderland. Have they done a live action Alice in Wonderland? Yeah, the, with, the one with Johnny Depp. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Duh. All right. I guess that's it. I don't. All right. Then let's start making cartoon versions, animated versions of the live action ones then. No, there you go. <laughs> Just bring it full circle. Uh, yeah. So. Moana? That's more... They're doing Moana, though, aren't they? Are they? I hadn't heard I'm that. I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah. That was a pretty big hit. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. They did Dumbo. Pinocchio. Pinocchio! <laughs> yeah, wow. No, I don't know. They do a live-action Incredibles. That would be kind of cool. But that's Pixar. They haven't really done a, a Pixar film in live-action yet. Yeah. Pixar's probably like, nah, man, don't be, don't be messing with our IP like that. Right. <laughs> hmm. I guess that's about it. All right. You can see Big Hero Six. Would you want to see in a live action Big Hero Six? I liked you Big like Hero that Six. better than I, did. I. I liked that a lot better than I did. That could just be because I had to watch it over and over again. So maybe. All right, Matt. Yeah, I don't know. All right. So I have a two-parter for you to close out my end of things. Okay. What are the odds that Barbie has a higher Rotten Tomatoes score than either Dune 2 or Oppenheimer. Higher Rotten Tomatoes score from the critics or from the audience? Oh, critic score. Critic score. If you want to give me both, you can, but. Um, I'm going to say 30%. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that as a, as a knock on the quality of the Barbie, of the Barbie movie or. Yeah, one Red, could be 90, one could be 91. Not, or Greta Gerwig or Noah Baumbach. I'm just saying that. With 
these kind of two auteur directors kind of releasing films from a critic's perspective. We'll see. I think, I think that those two are going to have an edge over Barbie, but I could be wrong. Obviously. Mm. Yeah. I, that Barbie has a better Rotten Tomato score than Dune or Oppenheimer. Cause I feel like those are the, are those the big films, the three big films we're waiting for at this point this year? Well, Indiana Jones. Well, I, well, that, yeah, that's yeah, but that's like coming up next week, and yeah. I think we already have seen that it's not terribly good, which pains me, but it's not altogether unsurprising. <laughs> yeah. Uh I would say I'm gonna go below fifty. I'm gonna go 48 percent that Barbie <laughs> has a higher Rotten Tomato score. All right, very good. A but I think it's yeah, but it's. But it's possible. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I feel like something like I know Dune Two. It's it's Villeneuve, and I feel like he's been building towards this. That mm-hmm. Dune was kind of the appetizer yeah. for what Dune Two is going to be. But right. we'll see about that. And then Oppenheimer. It's just yeah. I don't know. Has no one ever really had like a a tanked Rotten Tomatoes score film. I don't know if he really has uh, one that was like, oh, no, this is not good. I would say Tenant might be his lowest. I don't know. That might have been underwhelming. What was that? Let's find out together. Let's see if uh, Rotten Tomatoes has fixed their algorithm in their search box because, man, there were times you could type in, like, you know, show me Herbie Goes Bananas. <laughs> And it wouldn't bring it up. It's like, what are you talking about? What's Herbie Goes Bananas? Uh, okay, here we go. Oh, the problem is it includes all its produced stuff, too. And there's no way to sort it. All right, that's fine. We'll figure it out. Doodlebug. Uh, following is 82%. Okay. Memento, 93. Insomnia, 92. Batman Begins, 84. The Prestige, 76. Okay. Huh. All right, Dark Knight ninety four, Inception eighty seven, Dark Knight Rises eighty seven. God, he produced Transcendence. That is a horrible film. Interstellar seventy three. Wow. Quay, what's Quay? He directed Quay. Is that a short film? I've never heard of Quay. Seventy minutes. I'm not familiar with Quay. Look at me. Film geek, I have no idea what that is. Where were we? Okay. Um, Dunkirk, 92. Tenet, 69. Nice. So, uh, yeah, 69. All right. Well, maybe we're just maybe we're just way way more bullish on uh, on Christopher Nolan. Those aren't those aren't great scores. No, and I remember too after we watched Tenet that uh, I think it's that something shifted where Nolan no longer became for me. A must-see, like, oh, my God, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. It's a Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. movie. You know, mm-hmm. that shifted. Now it's like, oh, good, a Christopher Nolan movie. Right. <laughs> but it, it doesn't have, as Matt likes to say, the juice. The juice. And look at this. I mean, so Lady Bird, 99%. Little Women, 95%. Uh-oh. Uh, Francis, did she direct Francis Ha? Huh? I know. Or did she just co- co-wrote started, it with Bombach? Did that, yeah. I think she started it. Okay. So, you know, um, maybe... Maybe we're both very wrong and we'll look stupid in a couple of weeks. It's, we're it's because we're sexist, man. We're not. I didn't say it wasn't going to be dis- good. Dismissing Gerwig, yeah, no, Bumbach direct, directed Francis, huh? Okay. Oh, Michael, I haven't seen that. Michael Zegan's in it. 
for you Marvelous Miss Maisel fans out there. Wow, okay. There so, yeah, that was it. So that was da 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 Okay, good. Anything for me? Yeah, so uh, with WV's fire sale, I'm going to put you uh, put out a, a worst-case <laughs> scenario for you here. Uh, what, what are the odds Disney buys DC? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I think the latest thing was that he put, what, 50% of Warner Brothers' music catalog mm-hmm. for sale, which yep. includes like all the scores. Like, I understand all the Batman stuff is in there, perhaps, yeah. and a bunch of other stuff. Zaslav is just a, from what I've read online, I thought I saw this tweeted out, it makes perfect sense to me, is that there's two things. One, the main one being that he's a reality TV guy who's always felt disrespected that he wasn't a heavy hitter kind of in Hollywood. Yeah. And now that he's got a chance, he's basically just wants to show everybody how smart he is and also burn a bunch of shit to the ground. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy that refers to art as content. And that's who he is. That's all he cares about. Is con- It's all the same to him, whether it is the latest artistic film from you know David Lynch or if it's another home remodeling show. It's all the same thing to him. Right. So what are the odds then that Disney buys? Part of me is like we get crowd-pleasing stories consistently, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah. But they'd all be, I think, almost artistically inert. So part of me is like, I don't know if I'd want that to happen now. Mm-hmm. But the odds that it does, whew, I mean, you'd want to get your hands on Superman and Batman if you're a studio. I think yeah. those things just like they, I once read too that there are such there are such popular properties. That they would publish Superman and Batman comics even if they were losing money on them. Mm-hmm. Because they sell so much. They have such an impact outside of that. Right. Uh, I'll go... Ugh, I guess... I mean, do you really get rid of... I feel like they... No. I'm going to go 35%. I think that he knows... Because to him it's all content. And he sees that as a way to bring in money. Yeah. So I think he would hold on to that because it's one of the few things that I think Warner Brothers owns that is a reliable content generating machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm with you. I don't know if I would want Disney to buy it. I mean, to your point, I think you would get much more consistent quality films. And I understand the kind of things that are championed about the DC films is that there's some more artistic flexibility, more artistic vision, but, you know, as we've seen time and time again, that Hollywood is populated by hacks and therefore their artistic visions are not great. Uh, so I think you get a very mixed bag with that. I do think if they do end up selling it for whatever reason, I think Disney's the only one who could realistically afford to pay for it. That's I true. don't I don't think uh, like Paramount couldn't do it. Sony couldn't do it. So I think that would be the really the only realistic buyer. But, you know... Disney is hasn't made as much money on Star Wars as they would have liked. The most recent Marvel films and stuff like that have not been as well received and they've made money, but maybe not as much as they were hoping for. They haven't really set the world on fire like they have in the past. So I've noticed them taking a step back. And I think even if you dangle it in front of them, unless it was like a really cheap price, I don't think Disney would buy it. So I give it a 
25% chance that it happens. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's good. That makes sense to me. I, I know they've made, they, but they made money on Star Wars, right? They bought that whole thing for a billion dollars, right? Right. I'm sure they have, but they haven't been, there's only, but you got to think of how much goodwill does this fan base have? Because they just keep getting more and more annoyed with the product that's getting put out kind of thing. That's true. <laughs> but at the same time, the comic nerd in me would love to see one of those DC Marvel crossover things where they beat the crap out of each other. That would be yeah. Fun. And doing an amalgam run for TV shows yeah, where you exactly. have Captain America and who was it? Captain America and Superman mm-hmm. combined, right? But if Sony buys them, now you can shift Spider-Man into the uh, DCU. But the way Sony right? has, has, yeah, <laughs> the way Sony has ha- handled uh, Spider-Man, even looking at that Craven trailer, oof, boy, I just don't. I it blows my mind. That's J.C. Chandor. I mean, that that guy did Margin Call, which I think is a good film. Mm-hmm. He did a most violent year, which I think is one of the most underrated films of the last like ten yeah, years or whatever. Yeah. That is a fantastic movie, and now he's doing Craven, Craven, Craven the Hunter. Though I was surprised how violent it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really surprised, and even what they were showing in the trailer, how violent it is. That was pretty crazy to me. So yeah, I'll have to see. I've also. There are, um, it's looking less and less like Aaron Taylor Johnson is James Bond, which is disappointing to me. I think he'd be good at that, but mm-hmm. we'll have to see. Still we'll waiting see. on that announcement. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Well, there you go, Matt. Are we good? Is that who dat for this episode? That's one of the odds for this episode, yes. Oh, that's right. What did I say? Who dat? Okay. That's not correct. Get your shit together, Chris. What are the odds you would ascribe to those things? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You have a what are the odds suggestion for us? We'd love to hear that as well. So uh, hit us up. Let us know. Matt, what's coming up on the big show next week? Well, we finally check out something that we were really high on. We were cautiously optimistic, and we have been proven that maybe we were right to be cautious about it, is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yeah. I'm, uh, it's going to be a tight episode, folks, because I am going away for the holidays when that hits. So Matt and I will be basically be recording that the day before, the night before it releases, is I think currently our plan. So that'll be a rough, like I'm treat like a live show. So mm-hmm. don't expect a lot of edits in that one. Uh, lots of like that, ums and uhs. So if you like <laughs> that, you're going to be in for a treat. But uh, yeah, so I'll be checking that out and we'll i we will and then we'll talk about it then in the meantime you can find us on twitter instagram facebook youtube do a search for the first run scroll 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 head over to apple podcasts well i I cut myself off there and eventually you will find us after you scroll head over to apple podcasts and give us a review and help other people find the show and uh i think that's it so uh, never forget we love you very much take care of yourselves and we'll see you soon just in from the president he's furious thanks a lot ricky